Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. I'm Christian Blood, KTSA News. It's that time for the Jack Riccardi Show. Hey, Christian, thank you very much. Good afternoon. 408 on San Antonio's 550 and 1071 KTSA. All right, so... uh, how are you? Uh, how are you feeling about the midterm results? Uh, how are you doing? We were on last night talking about all this, and kind of, I have to say, while we were on the air last night, it was not easy to see the big picture. Uh, but this morning and today, it is a little easier. And, and as you heard, as you just heard, Christian kind of walk us through. We're not even done, but uh, the picture is getting clearer. The terrain is getting clearer. So we're going to talk about that for starters. And I want to. Uh, open up the phone lines at 210-599-5555 because, you know, I'll just tell you, I'm I'm disappointed and um, I was angry. I'm over the anger now, but I, I am disappointed. Um, but here, here's how I'm looking at this. There's a great quote by a 17th century Christian pastor named Samuel Rutherford, where he said, duties are ours, events are the Lord's. Duties are ours, events are the Lord's. And what I take that to mean is our duty was to vote, and hopefully you voted. But we are not in control of events. And often we don't understand the events in our lives while we're living through them, and that's why we read history books, because sometimes we can have perspective on stuff afterwards, and sometimes we never fully understand events. We certainly don't fully control them. But I I don't think getting emotional about this is going to help. I don't think being angry about it will help. I don't think uh, yelling, screaming. The the other side did that when elections didn't go their way. You remember how that looked, and I'm sure you would not want to in any way look like they did in 2016. Besides which, this was not anywhere nearly as bad as 2016. So what happened last night was it wasn't as good as you had been told it would be, and I had been told it would be. It wasn't as big as we were ex- you know, given to expect. And because we expected to win big, it was disappointing, and it was a hit to our morale. But if you think about where we are, where we are right now, and again, the votes aren't all counted, which is another thing we'll talk about. We're not very much in a very different place from where we were on Monday. We've got the same challenges. We've got the same whacked-out, progressive Marxist left. They are a threat. They have to be defeated. It wasn't going to all get done last night anyway if it did get done, and it didn't. We're kind of at a standstill or a stalemate. You know, you you think about like those uh, old black and white uh, films of World War I, the guys in the trenches, and you see uh, this footage and there's just 
mud and trenches, and it doesn't look like anybody's getting anywhere, and it's hard to tell which side is which. We're in the trenches in this country. So we haven't lost the war. We haven't lost the battle. But we definitely blew some opportunities. And let's be honest, our side didn't always put up the best people. Our side didn't always put up the best argument. We believe we have the best ideas, but we may not have presented them in each instance to each group of voters. These voters that voted the other way um, are people I still want to work on. I'm, I'm not done. And if it had gone the other way, and, and, and there had been a red wave, they would not be giving up. And their side and their leaders would not say, well, that's, that's it. Uh, my heart's broken, and so I'm not going to do it anymore. They wouldn't, so I don't think we should. So the anger, in part, is on our side against people on our side. We're looking for somebody to blame. And there are people who are going to blame Trump. And there are people who are going to blame Mitch McConnell. And there are people who are going to blame this one or that one or this candidate or that. But I'll tell you what, before you do that, we should argue with one another about strategy and we should argue one another with one another about who our leaders are and whether or not we need new leaders and we need new battle plans. But if somebody is like-minded, if somebody agrees with you 50, 60, 70, 80% of the time, they're not your enemy. And a circular firing squad is a pretty stupid thing to do right now. In fact, anything emotional or done out of emotion is not the right thing right now. So I think we have to figure out what worked and what didn't and um, what we want to do differently next time. And if we don't like the way the battle went, maybe we need new generals. And um, I don't know any other way to, to, to think about this today because... You know, I, I think about during the darkest days of World War II, Churchill and the and the British leaders, I mean, they were in the most dire situation you've ever seen. And that country was hanging by a thread. That 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 entire civilization was hanging by a thread. And it's an island, so they really thought, you know, if we if we get driven into the ocean, that's it. We never get it back. There's no place else to go. And they finally came to the conclusion that they might as well just throw everything into it because there wouldn't be a way to start over. You couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't build a new British Empire from scratch. And that's how I feel about America. You, we can't build one of these from scratch. That's how I feel about Texas. Donna Campbell was on last night saying we, we have to save Texas because there isn't another Texas to move from. It's kind of a goofy line, but it's also basically true. So if it's worth fighting for, and if it was worth fighting for on Monday, and if it was worth voting for on Tuesday, then it's worth sticking with today. That's what I would say to you right now. 210-599-5555. You know, a lot of what happened last night was something that we've seen over and over again, and that was the re-election of incumbents. Uh, We were all set to throw the bums out, and we kept nearly all the bums in. You look at the results, if you want to see a pattern... Um, by and large, again, as in every election, the incumbents who were supposed to be at risk ended up doing just fine. And the voters did not fire the way you thought and I thought they would fire. Will they ever? I don't know. 
But that's one thing that happened. There were probably two big winners, quote-unquote, last night. And you're not going to like the first one, but I'm just going to say it. Joe Biden is a big winner. Because if this had not gone the way it did, he would not have just had the news conference you heard where he was kind of, you know, feeling good and relaxed and smacking his lips with satisfaction. Today's discussion, if if it had been a red wave, today's discussion would have been about, we need Gavin Newsom right now, we need Kamala Harris right now, we need alternatives right now, This we got to get rid of this guy. So Biden wins the midterms. But that also means, as uh, columnist James Freeman in the Wall Street Journal points out, that also means that the Democrats are stuck with Biden. Probably no chance now that they move on from him in 2024. He is probably going to be at the top of their ticket unless, you know, God forbid anything happens to him. So um, he's in a strong position. He can fend off his rivals. There were people in the Democratic Party that looked like they were ready to move on from him. And now I think he will be on that debate stage in 2024. And I, frankly, fine. You know, <laughs> I'm okay with that. The other big winner is obviously... Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. The election in Florida was or looked the way we thought the election would look around the country. He rolled up a historic re-election victory. You know, it's not a given when you run for a second term that you'll get more votes. Lots of people, Trump, Obama, among them, got fewer votes, uh, or, or a smaller percentage, I should say. Trump got more votes, but he got a smaller percentage the second time than he did the first time. Obama got fewer votes the second time. But DeSantis won a resounding victory. He dragged across the finish line three more congressional seats. And um, it's a pretty extraordinary feat when you look at the counties. He flipped counties that had gone for Biden and Hillary Clinton double digits. He's a winner in all of this. If you... Uh, didn't hear his uh, victory speech. We'll play some of it, but it sounded a lot like a 2024 kickoff. And then the other thing that I, I kind of take away from last night is we are being told, you're hearing it in every newscast, on every broadcast, uh, there will be days of counting. Be prepared. You should expect days of counting. The Secretary of State for Arizona, who also happens to be the the Democratic governor, Candidate Katie Hobbs uh, says voters should prepare to wait several days and be patient. They're having machine glitches in Maricopa County, which is going to give rise to conspiracy theories because it looks like about a quarter of the voting machines are having issues. And Maricopa County is the county that would supply the greatest tranche of Republican votes for a statewide candidate in Arizona. Nevada will not be done counting ballots for several more days, according to uh, officials there. They've got a Senate race that's hanging by a thread between an incumbent Democrat and a Republican challenger, and that might be what determines the makeup of the Senate. This is the United States of America. We need to do a hell of a lot better. There is no reason, for example, that they don't start counting every ballot on election night. There's no reason why they can't be counting the ballots that arrive before election night, before election night. There's no reason, for example, that two counties, 
and this is just one of one example I'm sure of many, two counties in Nevada are saying they won't start counting mail-in ballots until tonight. That's the night of the day after the election. Why? Why days? It's not like we have the Pony Express. It's not like we don't have technology. This lecture about patience that we keep getting from the news media and the politicians is making me impatient. Now, I'm not saying that it's automatically fraud if you wait, but I am saying from what we know about fraud, more time equals more opportunity for it. We know how they used to do it in the days of paper ballots. We know that they would hold back on the final results till they saw what their deficit was. Then they would find just enough and cook up an explanation to cover the found ballots. And, and, and I mean, maybe that's not exactly physically how they're doing it now, but it, it, it gives rise to the same kinds of doubts and uh, the delays and the irregularities just need to need to go. We need to do better than this. I could see if it happened one time. I could see if you had some sort of unbelievable, unprecedented surge in, in participation, but no. So I'm not assuming fraud, but I am saying flat out, straight out, greatest country on earth needs to conduct its elections on election day. Tommy is on KTSA. Hi, Tommy. Hey, thanks for having me. Sure. How do you feel about it? So I think it's cool to, you know, kind of say, hey, look, when you get knocked down, you got to get back up. You got to keep fighting. I think everybody can appreciate that sentiment. But, you know, what do you do when your face is bashed in and the other side has weights in their gloves? I think that, you know, if you look at Miami-Dade, Ron DeSantis crushed it there by like 20 points. But in 2016, Hillary Clinton won it by 20 points. In 2020, Donald Trump was only seven points down. It, anywhere that they had protection for not having mass mail-in ballots, uh, law enforcement protected elections, uh, they required identification to vote. Anywhere you look at things like that happening, Republicans won in a landslide. And mm-hmm. anytime anybody questions the election, they're labeled as an extremist or they're told that, mm-hmm. you know, asking questions makes you an extremist. You know, and history is written by the victors. So years from now, we're just going to keep hearing, oh, they were. Well, Tommy, I think you answered your own. I think you I I don't I I don't mean to cut you short, but um, you answered your own question. What do you do when the other side has has weights in their gloves? You you do what what they should have done more of and what you're describing they did some of. So we've known since 2020 that there was chicanery going on in the mechanism of the elections. It's not. It, it, it's not voter suppression. It's not preventing people from coming to the polling place or hitting them in the kneecap. It's it's dealing with the aftermath of voting. What happens between the time you cast a vote uh, and the um, report of the official results? So the answer is Republicans, when they had local control, when they controlled legislatures, needed to press for rule of law elections. But they didn't. In some places, in DeSantis's Florida is one of them, they did. But in Pennsylvania, they did not. In Michigan, they did not. By the way, in Michigan, they lost the legislature. So now they'll have even less of an opportunity to insist on rule of law elections. But the answer to your question is um, you, you have to fight 
over and in every jurisdiction for how the votes are counted, who counts them, and the reporting of the voting. Everybody knows you got a campaign. Everybody knows you got to have slogans and social media and slick TV ads, but you got to concentrate on the on the the last link of the chain, which is after people have voted. Uh, Marshall is on five fifty and one zero seven one KTSa. Hi, Marshall. Hey, good afternoon, Jack. This is Marshall, the adjuster. So you forgot the other big winner in general is the state of Texas, because we could have been woke up this morning and say Governor O'Rourke. Well, Texas is, we don't even have to say Texas is a winner. Of course, Texas is a winner. Yeah, I mean, we could have, I mean, that was a winner. You had, you had kind of ran down what are winners in the general election. Uh, you forgot Texas in general is because we could have I, I never forget Texas, say, Marshall. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about that, my friend. I never forget. I, I can't, remember, I came here by choice. I'm not going to forget it. Yeah. See, the other thing is um, myself and my wife were watching ABC News last night, and it's a good thing we're not playing election denier drinking game because it would both be dead at Methodist Hospital right now from alcohol poisoning. Yeah, I we we have to talk we have to talk about that. You're right. We got to talk about the whole election denier terminology. But your ha- what your your takeaway is that you're happy that Beto is is zero and three. I am, I am thrilled. Okay. Thank you, Marshall. Uh, let's get to Jonathan on KTSa. Jonathan, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jay. I just wanted to say uh, the alphabet media is portraying this as as if the Republicans lost, but I feel that if we we take the House, which what it looks like we're going to do, I mean that's a shift in power, and they don't get to shove their socialist agendas down our throats like they did with Obamacare. That's a win to me. I can't we can't win everything all at once. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I think I think what uh, first of all I, I I hope they do win the House. Um, it's not a done deal. Uh, there's still enough seats out that they may or they may not. Secondly, uh, it's by how much they win it, because as I'm sure you know, Jonathan, uh, there's no way Kevin McCarthy will command the unanimous loyalty on party-line votes of Republicans that Pelosi commanded of Democrats. Think how many times every single Democrat voted her way. McCarthy won't be able to do that, so he's going to need more than a slight majority. But the other thing I would just say is the reason I think people feel let down is because they had expected more. I mean, you are right. There are victories. There is, we're not in worse shape than we were on Monday, but people had expected a lot more. That's a good point. Thank you. Yeah. No, thank you for the call, Jonathan. I appreciate having you. I, I, and, and, and so that's what he's saying is good to keep in mind. And I want to, I want to, I want to emphasize that. Um, a lot of people I'm hearing from seem very, very down in the dumps. Um, but if you're down in the dumps because you had expected more, I get that. Let yourself, you know, give yourself today. But then, um, you know, do what you got to do. But then we, we still have a fight, and we were going to have a fight anyway. And even if it had been a big red wave, you would have had the gridlock effect of Congress versus the president. So um, I, I feel like pretty much our duty, as Samuel Rutherford described it, is still the same. Our duty is still our duty, and events are still the Lord's, you know. Um, boy, our our, uh, our next guest is somebody we haven't talked to in a while, but he uh, is, is a great friend and uh, has been on our show many times before. He's now the CEO of Aldrete Strategic Partners, a public affairs consulting firm. And uh, it's because we like him so much that we don't hold against him 
that he is a consultant. Eddie Aldrete is joining the show now on <laughs> KTSA Connecticut. Well, you know how it is in radio. I mean, that's not a that's not a, a really great word in radio. Just you know, it, it make it makes me think of the movie Office Space. It, the, see, yeah, you're like one of those guys. So, what is it exactly that you do, Jack? Um, you are a guy, though. You you um you think big thoughts about stuff like what happened last night, and um, you're good at kind of putting a pattern on it. So, I, I've I kind of put my pattern on it, which is, uh, it, look, if you're a conservative, uh, if you're an advocate of smaller government, we're pretty much where we were before Tuesday. Uh, we thought we would gain more ground. We didn't. It's trench warfare. Uh, the fight continues. Um, how, how how do you look at it? Um, I, yeah, so it's times like this where you go back and you ask yourself, um, did I correctly set people's expectations? Um, you know, because there was a lot of people involved, you know, the Republican Party, the Democratic Party, you know, that a lot of them put out these prognostications. Right. Uh, there's going to be a giant red wave. Um, clearly, there wasn't a giant red wave. Media, and too. So, um, yeah, no, exactly. Everyone loves that good story, and they all kind of go after that. But some interesting things happened, you know, just looking across the state and, and across the country. One thing that I noticed was there were a lot of people that were blaming Governor Abbott for what happened in Uvalde, and Governor Abbott won Uvalde County 60 40, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. which was kind of interesting. And so, you know, the time has passed, and the question is, um, you know, was it, did the fault really lie with him or was it more with uh, Colonel McCraw at the DPS? And so things like that. When you look at South Texas, um, there was a lot of hype over the three Hispanic female candidates running for Congress in the 28th Congressional District uh, with Henry Guare, the incumbent in Laredo. He not only carried his home county of Webb in Laredo, but he also won um, the extra votes that were added to the district after redistricting right here in Bear County. Uh, so he won that one fairly easily. Um, Monica won the 15th congressional district. She's based in McAllen. That district goes north. It's like a piece of bacon and goes all the way up and kind of veers off to the right and picks up Seguin. Um she won that one pretty easily. And then Myra Flores in the 34th, she lost that race. But here's the, here's the difference between those three races. When Myra Flores won in the special election, she was running in a D plus four district. Mm-hmm. So that meant the, had Biden ran in that district, he would have won by four points. So there was, mm-hmm. you know, four points more Democrats than Republicans. The Democrats didn't really fund their candidate that well, and she was able to make up the difference with good messaging, good paid media. But then when she ran yesterday, she was running in the new district post-redistricting, which was a D plus 12 district. Mm -hmm. So she started out in a hole, and it was difficult to make up that much ground. Right, right. Um, Monica in the 15th. uh, She had run two years ago, came close to winning. She was a well-known person. Cassie Garcia was probably the least well-known of the three. So it it kind of went the way you sort of... I think Dela Cruz was the most impressive of those three, and I also think it is important that if there is a paradigm shift or a, a shift of voters, that does take a little time. That doesn't play out in just one cycle. 
Uh, correct. And um, it looked like there was also a Republican that was winning a state rep seat um, that really hasn't gotten a lot of attention um, down in the Rio Grande Valley as well, in Hidalgo County, uh, in the McAllen area. Um, so, uh, yeah, there you are seeing some changes down there. Let, let, let's go back to the red wave thing, uh, Eddie, because um, I, I've got emailers saying that they're mad at Fox News. They were like, we thought we could trust them. Uh, they told us red wave. Now that we think about one guy, TP says, now that I think about it, CNN and MSNBC were closer to the truth when they kept telling me it would be close. Um, you, you worked in media before you, you, uh, did the things you're doing now with consulting and, and, uh, your previous iteration in the corporate world. Um, how does that, um, bandwagon or sort of, theme thing get rolling and you said it's something they like they like to be able to say wave election yeah so this goes back to um if you go back to 2020 um i'm forgetting the gentleman's name but he was the uh, decision desk uh, political editor for fox news oh starwalt or something i think chris yes. starwalt yes yes that's him and he just came out with a book um yeah, he got fired, he right, talked, for the way he called Arizona or something, right? He he called Arizona, yeah. That's basically what he got fired for, and people didn't like that. They they, but you got to remember, four years earlier, or actually back in 2012, um, Carl Rove <clears throat> had his little whiteboard and was still holding out hope for uh, for Florida in the Obama Romney uh, race, yeah. and um, you know it. Um, so all of these things are, are difficult. It it does kind of make you wonder in today's modern technologically based world, why is it that elections take so long to why does it take a week to get all the mail in ballots and everything else? The only thing that should that should, uh, you know, uh, wait, take that long are the those that are coming from ballots that are coming from overseas. But everything um, else is technology. But, but let me you let me bring you back to the the red wave. Why did they say it? Why did they think it? Are, are we guilty, maybe, of presuming too much from historical precedent? Like because it's usually a big wave in the first midterm of a presidency, and and maybe in in so many ways we're seeing this all over. We're seeing it in politics. We're seeing it in sports. You you really can't hang predictions on precedent anymore. Uh, no, that's exactly that's a very good point, because you might recall when President Obama came out in his midterm and said, wow, we got shellacked. Um, there was a huge swing on the House side in that election. And people do tend to go back and look at history and just say, well, this is what conventional wisdom says. And therefore, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. One of the, the points that came up was after the Dobbs decision came the Kansas election on abortion. And there were some people, isn't it really a lifetime between today's Kansas vote and November? And what we saw about three to four weeks ago was the crossing of the lines between the economy and abortion. That's when the economy and Mm -hmm. inflation Mm -hmm. began to overtake abortion as the number one things that people cared about the most. And we started seeing a trajectory, and, and I think Republicans got their hopes up that everyone was mm-hmm. now focused on the economy and inflation, right. 
And that, uh, but clearly last night, I think showed uh, abortion came in a very close second to the yeah, economy. Yeah. No, great points. Eddie, great to have you back with us. Um, I hope we can visit again soon. And, and thanks for sharing this with us today. We appreciate it. Uh, you bet. I, I hope it didn't do so bad as a consultant. You, you know what? I, it didn't even feel like a consultant conversation and I've been in a few of those. So <laughs> it was, it was way above that. Uh, Eddie Aldrete, Aldrete Strategic Partners, with us on the KTSA Connecticut Quality Water Softeners Newsmaker Line. I got to tell you about last night, if you were not listening to our coverage, we were on until uh, 10 o'clock. And our plan last night was to, um, we had some people we interviewed, we took some calls, we were reporting um, the the vote totals here in, in San Antonio, Bear County, and in Texas, as well as some of the key races around the country. Our people were great. Don Cooper and Elaine Rodriguez, our producers, incredible, Olympics level. Dennis Foley, Christian Blood in the KTSA newsroom, always great, always reliable. And then part of our plan, because we're affiliated with the ABC network, was to occasionally join their coverage because they've got, obviously, massive resources. They can look at all the the key states. They can pull the map together. They've got exit polling. I've done this for a long time. You you want to, and you and you and you feel good about including the network. We went to them for the first and last time last night at Don. It was what about eight twenty? I think right. So I go to the network. I join the, the the coverage. Just want some updates. Just want some facts. And there's a couple of bedwetting liberals hyperventilating about election denial, election denial. They kept using the term. It was like a drinking game. And there was precious little news and hardly any facts, but a whole lot of feels. And we were going to, it was about an eight or ten minute segment. We, we couldn't even stay with it. It was so bad. I hated to just break out of it, but it, it just, and, and so here's what I want to say. We'll, we'll talk about election denier uh, here coming up, but here, here's what I want to say, and I got to say this may get me in trouble, but I got to say it. This radio station is one of a dwindling number of radio stations around the country that still does local news and talk. I'm sure you've noticed that. And so, if you're the ABC radio network or whatever they call themselves now, they get some new name, I think they call it ABC Digital. If you're ABC Digital, how freaking stupid are you to not know that the remaining radio stations that carry your Fakakta programming are conservative radio stations, and there's not many of them left? Their audience does not want to hear that. That may be how you feel, and I know you're sitting in a studio in, in Manhattan, and that's, how, that's your world. I get it. But your customers are us. They're stations like this one. How stupid, what a dumb, head-up-your-ass business plan when all of your affiliates are conservative news talk radio stations to put liberals on who are having a meltdown about election denialism. In what universe would anyone want to hear that? How much longer is that business model going to work? We'll be fine. But you guys need us. You can't have a network without local stations that affiliate with it. And so I, I just had to say it because it was embarrassing. It was not up to the quality you expect and should expect of me and of us. 
And I don't know what they're thinking. I really don't. And I'm not connected enough to know or to have the, the contact of person to ask. But I, I know enough about our business to know you, you cannot just unzip your pants and pee on your primary customers and expect to stay in business. And that's what they're doing at ABC Digital. So it had to be said. I wanted you to know that's what happened. Um, you know, one of the weirdest things I saw today uh, was, the, I don't know if you saw this or not, you know, the, the, the morning after the midterms, each party has to send somebody out to say, we're really happy, we, th- we did great, we're celebrating these results. Uh, Kevin McCarthy was the guy for the Republicans. Sean Patrick Maloney was the guy for the Democrats, Christian, because he was the chairman. He's a, he's a New York congressman. He was the chairman of the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee this time around. That's right. So he had to go out and say, we feel great. We're really happy. This is an affirmation. But he lost. Yeah, he did. <laughs> that is rough. I mean, I, I don't know the guy, but I mean, that's a tough one. You know, you got to go out talk about having to put a smile on your face and see mind over matter it. Yeah, this is why I just never saw myself going into politics as much as mm-hmm. I you know, would think, you know, part of me would really love it. I'm just mm. too much of a spoiled loser, Jack. Mm. Oh, good, good to know. I'll keep that in mind. Yeah. Ever, <laughs> right. <laughs> we ever play a board game. We ever play Scrabble. I'll, you don't I'll keep want that me. in mind. That's right. All right. Um, 210-599-5555. Um, so, yeah, when, when we went to ABC, they were all headed up about election deniers. They said it 109 times in a three-minute span. Here, here's what's interesting about this, and we got, we, got to, we got to talk about this. The term election denier is, is now being used as if it is a dictionary term, as if it is a precise, uh, quantifiable, you know, you're, you know you are one. And it's funny to me, we live in an age where people say, I can't define a woman. But they can define an election denier. And it's not said ironically or with qualification. It's said about any of us who are ever or have ever been skeptical about an election. And if we're going to be honest, that's most people that pay attention to politics. That's most people that are using the term election denier. In other words, look in the mirror, because you've been one too. If you characterize anyone who's concerned about election integrity as an election denier, then does that mean educational reformers are education deniers? Or medical reformers are medical deniers? Actually, they probably do think that, right? I am the science, Dr. Fauci. So here's the thing. There's all kinds of, you know, eggs in the basket. There there are people who believe that Trump won the election in 2020, that that some massive uh, operation was pulled to conceal or change votes. Then there are people who believe that he probably won here and there, but it was changed. And then there are people who say, well, I, I don't know, maybe he would have lost, but I, I don't believe everything I heard, and I don't believe all the numbers. I don't believe that, that Joe Biden, Sleepy Joe, got the most number of 
popular votes that any candidates ever received. Those are not all the same thing, but to the networks, those are all election deniers. We all know that in 2020, and again this year, laws were overridden by partisan election officials. We know of things like ballot drop boxes, ballot harvesting, accepting mailed ballots that were incorrect or post-dated, correcting ballots. In other words, people filling in stuff on ballots that, wa- that weren't complete, waiving voter ID requirements. We know that Mark Zuckerberg sent over 400 or so million dollars, we think it's 400 million, to public entities that are supposed to administer elections. He gave them money with strings attached to spend it in Democrat-heavy precincts in swing states. So it wasn't just get out the vote like we've got a slogan on television or we've got a billboard up that anyone could see. It was targeted. He used government entities to spend his money where he told them to spend it. If you're not skeptical about that, you might want to go down to the hospital and get a brain scan, okay? And there's so much more. So these things can be debated. They can be discussed. You and I could disagree about the severity of them or the effect of them. But there are reasons to be wary. There are reasons to be skeptical. And if you take this stuff seriously, you have to care about it no matter how things go. So... You can't only care when you don't get the outcome you want. You have to care all the time. That's the way it works. But if there's, and we talked about this yesterday, if the scoreboard is dubious, if the people in the stands look up at the scoreboard and they go, well, I'm not sure that is the score. I'm not sure that the other team did score that many points, or I'm not sure that that is right, the right score for my team. How how could you ever play any sports? How could you have any sport? You couldn't. So people are skeptical for lots of reasons and in lots of ways. And it doesn't make them all the same. And there is no one who gets to decide that you are an election denier. But if you are someone who is skeptical, I I salute you. It means you're paying attention. It, it, It also means you're going to be insulted by people like the pinheads at ABC News. But you're okay with me. We're taking your calls right now, getting your reaction to the midterms and how you're feeling about that today, the state of things today. Here's Governor Abbott last night uh, claiming victory at his rally in McAllen, cut number eight. All right, we'll come back to that. Uh, 210-599-5555. Let's get to uh, Nick on KTSA. Nick, good afternoon. Hey, man, how are you? Good, thank you. How are yeah, you doing? I, good, good. Yeah, I was I was totally disappointed. But I I look at things and I I wonder if uh, if the Democrats succeeded by kind of um, you know, getting getting to the right people when it came to you know slightly lowering gas prices from where they were that kind of thing. I think uh, there's a lot of people. Who look at the border? I don't feel this way, but 
I think, you know, the Republicans use terms like invasion and things of that nature, but I think a lot of people look at it and say, sure, crime's up, but you still can't point the finger at illegals completely. And, you know, I think there's a lot of gray area, and I think the Democrats went after those voters, and, and that's how they're, they've survived. Mm. I'm not sure about the gas prices, but I, I will say I think um, what helped the, the Democrats a lot was the Dobbs decision. Um, and it's easy when you're pro-life to dismiss how the other, you know, side feels about that or how they view it. And it's been presented to them as a right for 50 years. So even though you may not think so, if somebody's heard that and consumed that as a right for 50 years, it's a different, it looks different. You know, it feels different to them. I, I agree with you that there is a lot of gray area and a lot of, you have to really make the connection between what you're doing and what the other guy's doing and how people's lives would be different. It's not enough to say things have gone to hell and crime is, you, you have to be able to say, here's something they do. We would do this instead. We know it would work here. It would affect you. I, I think Republicans were not great. Maybe Nick at, at doing those kinds of things, you know what I mean? And and, and in places where they well, did do those things, they had great success. I mean, look at this guy Lee Zeldin in New York. He didn't win, but they picked up four seats in New York State because crime became uh, a top of mind, uh, top of the ballot issue. And and he he single handedly forced the Democrats to take that on and talk about their their record. So I think you can do it right, but as you point out, you can also do it wrong. Yeah, there, there's one more thing I think also a lot of people are, or from what I've seen is, is you know, I think Republicans kind of made the same assumption based on polling, you know, that the Democrats did when Trump was running for office. I mean, I mm-hmm. for a mm-hmm. long time, I, the past, you know, five, six weeks, I hear him bragging about polling, 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 and it just didn't turn out. You know, it's completely mm-hmm. opposite of what they were expecting with polling. So I think in the future... Both parties will probably go away from polling because it's just not I don't think it's there anymore. And I don't think people are honestly giving, you know, an honor. They're not giving their opinions. Yeah. Answer a poll. Right. Good point. Very yeah, really, really good point, Nick. Thank you. I, I agree with you hundred percent on that. It, it, there are fewer and fewer people that are gonna tell a stranger how they're gonna vote or how they feel. Now, I don't think they'll go away from polling. Um, but I, I do agree that um from now on, can we just agree that there is a media narrative and then there is reality? And so the media will, for the sake of their ratings and the sake of audience building, they will create ebbs and flows. The race is a runaway. It's a landslide. It's a wave. It's tightening in the final days. You know, those are all things we've heard so many times before. We're like, you know, Charlie Brown with the football, enough. Um, I will say, a lot of these races were said by the pollsters to be very close and were very close. It's not so much that they were wrong. It's that they did not probably get to enough people or the right people. And so in some cases, they had it right that it was a close race, but they had the order of finish wrong. Um, and, and how many races where we were told Blake Masters is catching up and Mehmet Oz is catching up and this one is catching up. Was that really true or was that to hold people's interest in the, you know, 
in 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 the in the audience building that is media. I, I wonder about that. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Um Coming up in our next half hour, I do want to play some of these uh, some of these clips. We'll we'll resolve the technical issue that we're having, but um, I, I I do want to play a little bit of what Ron DeSantis said last night because I think I, I I think that after last night, it's hard to deny that 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 he is the leader of the Republican Party right now. Now don't don't go crazy. If you want Trump, Trump's going to run. He's going to get into it next week. He's making his announcement, but. Um, DeSantis at the moment is the guy that is delivering. DeSantis at the moment is the guy that is actually governing in Florida the way every Republican governor should be, the way Republican voters would like to see the next president govern. He is not only governing that way, but he is uh, relating to the media, relating to the adversarial left-wing media the way people want done. Um, I think he took lessons from Trump, but I also think he's refined it. You know, it, it's almost like a guy that that grew up watching one of the greats, but now has his own, you know, delivery or his own pitching style or whatever you want, to, his own batting stance or whatever you want to call it. Um, and so I think his um, at the moment this is this is the Ron DeSantis Republican Party. I don't know what he'll do and. I was thinking last night, one of the thoughts I had last night, just as a dad, when he was on the stage at his victory event, he uh, waved out his or waved over his uh, his kids. His wife was up there, and his, his kids are all really young and really small. It reminded me of Gabby when she was younger, and I thought to myself, I was always very protective of my daughter. Well, I still am, but I mean, when she was little, I really was super protective about having her with me in public places, public events meeting people. I don't know that I, and I, I'm not in politics, but I mean, I, I don't know that I could possibly have run for president, possibly have gone out in the campaign trail and ever uh, took my family out in the campaign trail when she was little. I don't know that I could do that. I'm not saying it's wrong to do it, but I personally, I'm looking at him with these little kids and I'm thinking, you know, this guy might wait. And I would get that. I, I, I don't want him to, but I, I could see where he might. The day after the midterms, we're getting your thoughts, reactions, emotions, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, our next guest was a uh, clear, unequivocal winner. Uh, ran a strong, uh, smart campaign, and um, is definitely going to be a big part of of the Texas uh, House delegation uh, in the next Congress. Uh, Congressman Tony Gonzalez on our KTSa Connecticut Quality Water Softeners. Newsmaker line. Congressman, good afternoon. Congratulations. Oh, thanks, Jack. Appreciate you having me back on. So President Biden had a news conference today. I don't know if you if you caught any of it or not, but um, the gist of it was that the results of the midterms confirm that his po- policies are popular and they are what people want and that Republicans need to figure out how to work with him. What is your reaction or response to that? Uh, you know, I didn't I didn't watch the uh, news conference, but it doesn't surprise me. It re- reminds me a little bit of my time in Iraq when you had the Iraq and information minister going, everything's perfectly fine. And in the background, the you know, Baghdad's on fire and there's missiles going overhead. Uh, you know, if, the, if this president is going to take that approach, uh, the, they they are going to be in a very bad spot. They being the Democrats politically 
But worse off is Americans are going to be in a bad spot because this was a referendum on what we are all feeling. Our pocketbooks are getting destroyed. Our 401ks are getting destroyed. The border is completely on fire. There is literally, you know, essentially no border crime. You know, you try going to one of these big cities, it's as dangerous can be. So, I mean, it didn't surprise me. A lot of times politicians will try to spin a loss into a win because somehow they think that's uh, noble. But the reality is this president is going to have to work with the work with House Republicans or, you know, he's not going to get a second term. Well, um, yeah, I mean, he may not get a second term, but why shouldn't he? Let me let me push back a little. Why shouldn't he feel good, Congressman, when everybody predicted a giant red tsunami? And it, it looks at the moment like uh, at best, Republicans will have a razor-thin House majority. They may not win the Senate. They lost governorships and state legislatures. What, you know, John Fetterman, really? You couldn't beat John Fetterman in Pennsylvania? So, I mean, yeah. why shouldn't he feel good about that? Yeah, you know, you know, and I'm kind of mixed on it, too, uh, to be honest, Jack. You know, it, it's, it's kind of as if the American public is ha- one foot in and one foot out, right, where they're going... We don't like necessarily what's happening. We don't agree with what, how the Democrats have ran things, but we don't necessarily trust the Republicans either, right? So as, as, as now being in the House majority, the way I look at it is now's the time for House Republicans to deliver. And look, the, the, it, it's not going to change overnight. Everything's not going to change overnight, but we have to deliver a couple of things. We have to at least, we, House Republicans, have to stop the bleeding, and we have to hold this administration accountable. Uh, you know, the, the, the Biden administration is never going to be transparent unless we force them to be transparent. They're never going to say, oh, things aren't going well. You know, they, they killed 13 Americans in Afghanistan and they essentially had a mission accomplished celebration. So, uh, you know, but at the same time, I go back to it. Republicans have to deliver. We've seen this before. Republican House Republicans in particular, through our commitment to America, we have a plan. We got to execute this plan. Would you say that um, is it is it fair to describe what's happening right now or the way it looks like it's going to end up as kind of a, a trench warfare stalemate kind of thing? You guys are are not much better off than you were on Monday. They're not much worse off than they were on Monday. As you say, they're 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 doubling down on all the same policies, but we're kind of in the same place we were before Monday, before Tuesday, rather. No, I, I view it a completely different. And, you know, whether you win the majority by one vote or 100 votes, you control the entire agenda. And a lot of times people forget the power of the purse resides in the House. And I think it's time for House Republicans to, to wield that power of the purse. I sit on the Appropriations Committee. Everybody comes before me and asks me for money. Jack, nobody ever comes and goes, hey, can you take my money away? It's always, can you give me more money? So I think this is an opportunity for us to go, here's the deal, DHS, uh, the Department of Homeland Security. If you want money for X, Y, and Z, this is what I want from you. I want you to do your job. I want you to enforce the laws that are already on the books. That is all I think we need to ask for. So I look at it. The, mm-hmm. We need a majority. This is only the fourth time in history that Republicans have won the majority. But what are we going to do with it? And I think if we, if we if House Republicans – do this effectively, it'll set us up for 2024 where we can win back the, the White House, we can win the Senate, we can win the, 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 we can keep the majority in the House, and then we can really implement some policy that changes. 
Okay, well, it's it's good to say I, I like the whole "we'll get them next time" attitude. But what what a, what look critically at your party and tell me one thing you wish you guys had done differently, or a state where you wish you had been more competitive, or or should have been. Where's an area where you can say we we squandered an advantage or we blew an opportunity? I don't I don't view it as we'll get them next time. We're getting them now. I mean, look at here in Texas. Here you had all this hoopla that. Texas is going purple, you know, Bethel, all this other things. We won every single statewide race. We picked up, we Republicans picked up two congressional seats. People forget. Now we now have, we in the House, House Republicans, we have 25 seats. That's more than any other delegation in the country. We got to go back to making sure Texas is the first one to eat. Uh, If you look around the country, I mean, you can look at Pennsylvania. You mentioned it earlier. I mean, I don't know what's happening up there. It's, I mean, how, how Fetterman gets over the finish line uh, is beyond me, and we lost a couple of some other seats too. Virginia is another one that I saw, but there's a lot of positive things too. This Hispanic movement to the Republican Party is very real. You know, we win mm-hmm. Monica De La Cruz down in the Valley. We just picked up Juan Siscomani in Arizona along the Tucson border. Lori Chavez in Oregon, she's going to win. Uh, George Santos in New York. We got a seat in Florida. So, I mean, I think there's a lot, a lot of positive to take mm-hmm. away from it. But here, especially here in Texas, you know, we, we now Beto is now a three time loser. Where does he go mm-hmm. from here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that is definitely um, a sigh of relief for a lot of people. I will say that uh, maybe he can get the band back together or something. There's there's always <laughs> that. Um, what about this big announcement Donald Trump is going to make next week? What do you think it is? What do you hope it is? Oh, he's going to run. I mean, we've all been waiting for this moment. He's going to run, and I think it's going to be exciting. You know, uh, I think we need to, we Republicans need to be excited about things. And, you know, love him or hate him, Trump has a way of delivering, and he has a way of getting people excited. And so I think it's a positive thing. Uh, but I, I will tell you, you know, being in the House, I'm up to my eyeballs with alligators in in the House, and I try not to look beyond that and at the end of the day, we won the majority, which is great, but now we have to deliver for the people. And I've been going all in on border security. Mm-hmm. If we do mm-hmm. nothing else, how do we stop this crisis from happening? And it starts mm-hmm. by ho- holding the money hostage until they do their job. Yeah. Well, again, congratulations. I, I thought the way you ran was smart. You uh, did very well in a district that's been super close and tight in the past. So. Uh, congratulations on that. Thank you for coming on. Look forward to the next conversation, Congressman Tony Gonzalez. Thanks, Jack. All right. 545 on 550 and 1071 KTSA, the New York Post uh, front page uh, today, a picture of DeSantis celebrating his victory in Florida last night with the headline, De Future. Um, if it's uh, if it's a, an announcement by Trump next week that he's running for president, which, yes, it seems very, very, very likely. I mean, I don't think we're going out on a limb here. Um, I mean, I can think of a couple of other things it could be, but it, it almost certainly is that. Uh, if it's that, um, and and however you feel about that, um, do you want DeSantis to run as well? Do you want a, a competitive field? Uh, if you like Trump, is it better for Trump to have a battle? Uh, are you one of those people that thinks DeSantis should wait? Um, and I'm just curious to, uh, we, we've, we've kicked this around before, but I, I think last night brings this question to the, the forefront because again, 
Um, if you look at the the whole country, nowhere did the results look more the way Republicans thought they would or wanted them to than in Florida. Every single thing that people said would happen nationwide happened there, happened with him, I think in, in part because of him. I mean, I think he was certainly helpful to some of those congressional flips. I think he was probably helpful to, to Marco Rubio, not to take anything away from Rubio, but I mean, um, he, he is... He is definitely somebody with choices. And what do you think they should be? How would you like to see them play out? 210-599-5555. Don't forget Rapping with Jack this year. It's powered by Quarter Moon Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. It's at KTSA.com. You can get all the details on how you can adopt a family or just help one person have a Christmas gift to unwrap on Christmas Day. Somebody that's had a, a tough year. This year's knocked them down. You can help put them back on their feet. Christmas Day with your donation right now to wrap them with Jack at KTSA.com and then join us at the famous Blue Bonnet Palace in Selma on December 6th from 6 to 8 for the big wrapping party and live broadcast. 210-599-5555. We're talking about the uh, midterms, how you feel about uh, the results from last night. Here's uh, Governor Abbott claiming victory in McAllen last night. We started this campaign in South Texas. We celebrated my primary victory in South Texas. Tonight, we return to South Texas to celebrate my re-election for being your governor for four more years. So now it's time to go to work for all of those people as well as for all Texans. And it starts by keeping Texas as the number one state for the best economy in America and the number one state for jobs. All right, so that was Governor Abbott last night in McAllen where he held his rally. Uh, Ron DeSantis claiming victory in Florida last night, elected to a second term. Um, And in his victory speech, uh, he was running down um, some of the things they've been able to do in Florida. Cut number seven. Now, while our country flounders due to failed leadership in Washington, Florida is on the right track. I believe the survival of the American experiment requires a revival of true American principles. Florida has proved that it can be done. We offer, we offer a ray of hope that better days still lie ahead. Right. He also talked in the speech last night. He had a great line where he said, um, Florida is the place where woke goes to die. Cut number six. States and cities governed by leftist politicians have seen crime skyrocket. They've seen their taxpayers abused. They've seen medical authoritarianism imposed, and they've seen American principles discarded. The woke agenda has caused millions of Americans to leave these jurisdictions for greener pastures. Now, this great exodus of Americans, for those folks, Florida, for so many of them, has served as the promised land. We, we have embraced freedom. We have maintained law and order. We have protected the rights of parents. We have respected our taxpayers, and we reject woke ideology. 
We fight the woke in the legislature. We fight the woke in the schools. We fight the woke in the corporations. We will never, ever surrender to the woke mob. Florida is where woke goes to die. 210-599-5555. So we're talking about uh, Trump and DeSantis and the Republican Party's uh, next move. And Randy is on KTSA. Hi, Randy. Hi, Good, after, good evening. I tell you, after listening to that clip, I just want to vote for him right now. Yeah, yeah. So I, um, I, I, if, if, he, if he runs and Trump runs, is that a good thing? I, I don't think so. I, I, I'm sorry. I just think, I think Trump is letting his ego get in the way of, of the country right now. It, he has to be number one, not 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 his supporters not not the american people i uh, and and i think his ego is just getting in the way so but i'm my question i understand you prefer DeSantis, but would it not be optimum for people to have that contest to have that you know that 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 battle i i'm i don't know i i think that there can be a lot of damage mm. uh with them tearing each other down, uh, mm. I would I would rather forge I would rather forge something that gives the American people something to strive for as opposed to something to vote against. Wow, that's that well said. Sense. Yeah, that's that's a great way to put it. Really nicely put. Thank you, Randy. Uh, Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five Tuesday of next week is when uh, former President Trump is set to make his announcement, whatever that announcement might be. Ed is on the radio. Ed, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, I just wanted to say that I I strongly support Donald Trump for the presidency, but I also believe that there are so many people, half the country hates Donald Trump with a passion. Mm. And, And because Donald kept lurking in the background, I think it turned a lot of independents off from uh, voting against the Democrats. That, 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 that's, that's why I believe that the, the midterms were so disappointing to a lot of people, and I believe it was because of Donald Trump. So what does he need to do? Because you say you support him, you like him. What does he need to do? He, he lets his ego get in the way, and Donald doesn't see the hatred that so many people in this country have for him. Yeah. So he ends up being a detriment to uh, to his own political party. I love the guy. I I, I think he's one of the greatest presidents we ever had. And, and and like I always tell people, I I reluctantly voted for him the first time around, but the second time around, I told him I crawl over broken glass yeah. to vote for the man. Yeah, I I I love him as as president, but he has an ego. And he let his ego says that he must tear down and destroy anybody who challenges him, and, yeah. and that's a that's a flaw. So it and sounds like you would like him. It sounds like you would like him to. I, I, I'm I'm getting from you that you would kind of like him to sit out in 2024. Is that is that the case? Yes, I would. Yes, I would. Because yeah. if he runs, he, the, the people that hate him, there's just as many people that hate him as love him. And and if he runs, then we run 
the risk of losing the presidential election again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hey, Ed, well said. Good to have you, sir. Thank you. Um, I, I, I get the whole sort of glass is half full, not half empty thing, but I, I don't think you can ignore that a big part of how people feel about any anything, okay, whether it's an election, whether it's a, a sporting event, whether it's a movie they went to see, a big part of how you feel afterwards is what you were hyped on ahead of time or what your expectations were or how others set your expectations. I mean, if I take you out to dinner and I say, this place has the best steaks in town, um, that's a high bar. And um, you might have a good steak, but you might come away disappointed because this, this is not the best. I've had better. So... One way to look at the midterm elections is that um, Republicans won some House seats. They um, knocked off some some big names. They built on the gains that they made in the House in 2020. If they do get a majority in the House, it'll be because they picked up seats in 2020 as well as 2022. The other side is, well, you, you were told it would be a red wave. You were told it would be a red tsunami. You were told it would be a storm surge. You were told it would it would be historic or uh, on the level of a of a 1994 or a 2010. And that was really not fair because there are not enough ungerrymandered seats to have that kind of a swing in one election. There is I mean the conditions are just different. Uh and I, I think the way we vote is different, you know. 1994 was in an era of traditional election day voting. Got to show up. I I think our um, our elections have become less rule of law and more make it up as you go along. We opened the door to that fully in 2020. We have not closed the door, and so it's you're not. I don't think you're going to see. I, we're not the same country. We're not ele- uh, holding elections the same way. I, I don't think you can expect. Um, that kind of outcome. And yet you were told that would be the case. On the other hand, um, you're in a battle for things that you care about. As we talked about yesterday, I think the emblematic battle here is parents fighting for children and their children and all children and the, the sanctity of parents raising children, not, not classroom teachers, not school boards, not public health officials, We'll raise our kids. We brought them into this world through God. We'll make the decisions. Thank you very much. I think it's pretty clear that that, that did happen. There is, a, there is a, an awakening, a standing up of parents. Um, I think there is a battle joined. I think it'll play out over several cycles, not just one. But But I think it's fair to ask some questions about what happened and what didn't happen. I think it's fair to say, are are the leaders on our side the best people? Could we do better? I don't want to have a circular firing squad, but I, I think it's it's perfectly okay to say, let's look at the battle plan, let's look at the generals, and maybe we need to change some of them out. Um, I, I'm with you. I mean, I look at what's happening in this country. Um, I, I don't know how to say it succinctly, but I think there's millions and millions of us, regardless of our 
ethnicity or our race of our upbringing. We just think that that everyday life is absurd. The the mainstream political talking points uh murdering a full-term fetus is is a woman's right mutilating a child because they feel like they're a different gender can be done without parental consent burning down cities is not a crime it's social justice city streets full of garbage and feces and syringes is about homeless rights criminals are victims this is all madness and so we're in these trenches we're fighting this fight and you had to know it wouldn't be over last night so if you still want to win there's still a fight to fight there's still work to be done uh we keep going we keep going we figure out how to do it better we figure out how to reach more people um, we don't give up on our country. We don't give up on the people that disagree with us. I, I, I am a little concerned about one aspect of it, though, which is that if you think about, you know, when you look at, like, the people of Pennsylvania electing John Fetterman, is it possible that what we are seeing now is the the payoff or the, the not the payoff, but the, um, the result of generations of public education not teaching civics, not teaching the way this American experiment works. In other words, maybe we can't reach some of these people because they just don't really get it. They don't get why you have laws. They don't get why individuals have rights. They don't get why it's important that individual rights are superior or superior to government. They don't get it. It's not their fault that they don't get it. They were never taught it. They were very systematically kept from learning it. And so now when you try to present your case, you're presenting your case presuming that they will, of course, agree that we're all endowed with natural rights, but they they don't know that. That is a problem. That does worry me. But I still think we need to fight. I don't think we need to hang our heads, give up. And I don't think we should fight with one another. There's going to be a lot of talk about you know rhinos and real republicans and conservative that's fine but you know what your opponent your adversary is the marxist your adversary is is the progressive far left marxist your adversary is not some guy that votes with you 60 percent of the time or with whom you agree on three out of four things but you really are angry about that fourth thing if you make that the fight, they win every time. 210-599-5555. All right, so we've been talking about Trump and DeSantis, and Paul is on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Paul, thanks for hanging on. Uh, mm-hmm. We're waiting on Trump's uh, decision. DeSantis gave what sounded like kind of a kickoff speech last night. What do you hope happens here? I'm I'm definitely a uh, DeSantis guy at this point because I could hear what the other fellows were talking about when they're talking about it, uh, the ego of Trump and that whole thing. But I've got the perfect scenario. Are you there with me? I'm listening. I can't hear him. I'm listening, Paul. I can hear you. 
Oh, okay, good. Um, here, here's my idea. We can get, we can uh, elect DeSantos and have Trump be appointed and either be the Secretary of State or the Secretary of Defense and give him carte blanche to take care of foreign affairs. That takes care of two things. We don't have um, Trump to bash as a president, that whole business, and we can scare the hell out of the whole world because we'll know what the hell we've got with Trump with the trigger. Hmm. Um, Paul, do you really think that a guy you just described as having an ego problem could be a team player on somebody else's administration? Well, that's that, it's wishful thinking, and it's, okay. uh, it's right. a little bit of satire because, obviously, <laughs> you know, my my real my real idea, honestly, uh, six months ago, was that Trump become a team player. Say he's going to do it for the country. Okay, but hold on, hold on. What, what, you know, he's like seventy-seven years old, right? Do, do you think people at seventy-seven suddenly change their persona? Yes, but is is he gonna? Is he really willing to put himself and his whole family through this? Do you really think so? I well, don't I, think I, who knows? But I mean, that's a different question. I, when I hear people say, "Oh, he should team up with DeSantis," I'm I'm sorry, I just don't understand. In what universe do, are, are we talking about the same Donald Trump? Well, no, I, there's no doubt I've heard, you know, Trump and Andy Sanders as the vice president and all that. There's no way that's going to happen because you, you've got two alphas and it would never work. That's obvious. But All right. So I, I understand, though, you're doing some wishful thinking, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you that, Paul. And I appreciate your call, sir. Thank you. We're going to get to more of these coming up, 210-599-5555. You can, you can, um, you can fantasize about it, but... But I'm, I'm just curious. I mean, I, I think, personally, I've said this before, I'm good with the both of them getting in. Uh, I realize that could be really ugly and destructive, but it might also be very, very illuminating. And it might be one of those things where you temper the steel of whoever wins with that kind of uh, challenge. So uh, since I know I can't, I have no control over it and I, I can't stop them, um, if they're both on a collision course, I'm, I'm willing to look at that as well. Let's see what happens. Um, just reading some of the comments on the JR poll. Um, how you feel about the midterms? <coughs> Nick writes, uh, Abbott won, Abbott won, but 45% of Texans voted for a Marxist open border nut who wants to take our guns. Alarming. Uh, Tony, grateful that Beto was defeated, disappointed at the lack of a red wave. Uh, Lydia, indifferent, glad for Texas, not happy that there were problems and inconsistencies. Um, a lot of people kind of mixed. Uh, here's one from uh, Glenn. Last night was a slap in the face with a wet fish. It was a harsh wake-up call for me as to how divided we are as a nation. How can we, with a good conscience, elect a John Fetterman to the Senate when he likely could not pass a driving test is a sobering fact. I'm feeling like we've slipped too far down the rabbit hole to save ourselves, says Glenn. 210-599-5555. Yeah, the Fetterman thing all by itself was a dark sign. That That's just not, it, it, it isn't, I, I, I made a comparison the other day to when Missouri elected a dead guy, but th- this is really much worse. They elected a dead guy because the guy 
unfortunately was killed before the election and they couldn't take his name off the ballot. People that voted for Fetterman have seen Fetterman. They've heard Fetterman. The whole country has. And um, they made three million or four million or however many votes they got decisions that that's okay because blank, blank, blank. It's really not. 210-599-5555. And we're talking about uh, Trump and DeSantis. Clearly, DeSantis had a uh, unalloyed good night. Trump's defenders say he had a good night, too. He endorsed a lot of people who won. You could make that argument. You could also make the argument that some of the people he handpicked were the people that had disappointing defeats in places like, well, for example, New, New Hampshire. Um, so I, I think it was a mixed bag for Donald Trump last night but I'm not going to blame him for it or, or hang it on his head. Um, Billy is on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. Hi, Billy. How's it going tonight? Hey, Billy. Um, hey, you know, uh, let's face it, Trump's going to be a great president, and uh, he's also going to make it really ugly for anybody who tries to run against him. So let Trump have it this time. Uh, I, I think it would speak volumes if DeSantis held back. I'm pro DeSantis. I'd rather have DeSantis. But uh, at the same time, Trump's going to be effective, and um, uh, I think it would speak volumes if DeSantis held back. I mean, we can have DeSantis in eight years. I don't get the the thinking, and you're not the only one to say this, Billy, but this idea that we can sort of schedule presidents, like, well, first I want this one, then I want that one. You know, these aren't aren't like dental appointments. You don't don't know what will happen in four years. You you, you You can't hold somebody in reserve and say, well, we'll run him in the future. You know, it's either felt, it's either his I, time I or it isn't. Yeah, well, I I think the Santos got he's got, he's obligated four years to be a governor. Let him be his governor and then and run for president. If 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 and who knows what come who who can come along between now and then as well. Okay. So, okay, so you want Trump for four more years and then DeSantis after that? Yeah, I I do not want to see them go at each other. I just do not. I don't think I could stomach it. <laughs> but that's almost certainly going to happen, right? You you know that's almost certainly going to happen. Why do they have to go each other? You know it'd be so cool is to sit <laughs> because there. They both and want look the, the job. Stage, <laughs> to sit there at the debates, but they're supposed to love America. They're servants, and, and, uh, and you know they, I, I would love to see the debate stage just go. Hey, any of you guys go at this? You know we all we're all on the same page here. Let's all work together. But you know, okay, that's just I, I hear you. I hear you, but I don't. I, I, I love America, too, Billy, but every candidate will tell you that the reason he or she fights for the job is because they love America so much they have to. In other words, it, the, the, what you're saying, it sounds good, but you know and I know that's not how it works in practice, okay? And, and, and in every cycle, there are candidates tearing at each other, but they're gonna t- of course they're going to tell you that passion, that, that uh, energy is because they care about the country. Uh, Rainey is on KTSA. Hi, Rainey. It's Renee. Hey, Craig. oh, Renee. Hey, I'm I'm Craig sorry. Craig. I apologize. All right, you're good. Good. Look, quick thing. <laughs> First of all, with with Trump, what people aren't seeing that happened yesterday is is the fact that the Democrats have been trying to destroy him from day one. What happened yesterday was basically even in Florida. I think the Santos they purposely ran up the score so they can make happen what's happening today. That's everybody trying to push Trump aside and push. DeSantis forward. Now, wait, wait, wait. Who who ran up the who ran up the score? I don't know what, what that means. I'm talking about the Democrats. Pretty much throwing their talent in Florida, so DeSantis could look real good. 
to push him out there in the spotlight and say, look, DeSantis is oh. the leader now. So you think, in other words, that a lot of Democrats in Florida, even though they don't like DeSantis, voted for him to make him the Republican frontrunner so that he would stop Trump? Not really voted for him, but not voting. And the, the thing about it is, and then, and here, here's the thing. You know, the Democrats, they play to win. They play long term. So they figure what they're doing right now is basically pushing Trump out so they can have the Sanctus in. And that, that's, that's uh-huh. the, the main thing. But Trump didn't get no help from the, from the Max and the establishment. That's Mac, Mac, uh, McDaniel. Well, okay, I, I, get that you like, I get that you like Trump. What about DeSantis? Is DeSantis a good guy? I think I think he should have a go at it with Trump because uh, he, right now he's he's in the in the corner there in Florida. What's he gonna do in the national spotlight? Is he gonna be able to handle it? Let him run against Trump. If he wins, he's got my support. And <laughs> it's a pretty be, big state. I mean, it's not like he's it's not like he's the governor of Rhode Island. I mean, that's a pretty good preparation to run on a national stage. It's yeah, you, you, you make it sound like he's done nothing. He's been he's been in Congress. He's in his second term as governor of Florida. The, guy, it's the guy's not well, an yeah, unknown yeah. quantity. All right, Renee. All right, I, I'll, I'll hold you there. Thank you. I appreciate the call. KTSA will have results on the JR poll question coming up this uh, half hour, later in this half hour. CNBC had a report that 73% of forgiven student loan debt borrowers, okay, so 73% of people who are taking advantage of student loan forgiveness, quote-unquote, plan to spend more on travel, dining out, and new tech over the next 12 months. This was a survey by Intelligent.com. So almost three quarters of the um, people that Biden is uh, lifting the student loan debt off of are going to go traveling, are going to go out to eat, and are going to buy new tech. It's nice to know somebody in America will be able to do that, because obviously most of us cannot. Um, But it's... Interesting because remember the argument about student loan debt forgiveness, and it was made with, you know, crocodile tears and chewing that lower lip. You got to understand. I had I had callers lecturing me like I you know like I like I'm some sort of Powerball winner living with piles of money. Jack, you got to understand. People with student loans are struggling. They're hurting. They're struggling. They're 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 barely able to put food on the table. It turns out they're reserving a table. <laughs> so, not surprised, just uh, that's, you know, that's just another one of those thanks Joe Biden kind of moments. Thanks, Brandon. Uh, 210-599-5555. I mean, whatever you think of these midterms, and, and our responses are all over the, the, the map, um, and, and however positive you want to be and glass half full you want to be, it is staggering. How many people in mass quantities voted against themselves, against themselves? I mean, it's one thing to vote for somebody that's giving you stuff. That's bad enough. You know, th- that, that, that could kill a republic. 
the founders worry about that, that you would vote yourself the spoils of other people's wealth. But it's even crazier when people are voting against themselves, when people who are living in a crime-ridden city are voting for the people that made it that way and are keeping it that way and are lying about it being that way. When people who are going to have to pay for student loan forgiveness, not receive it, pay for it, are voting for the people that championed it. And I could, I mean, I could go on. So inflation is hard. But if you're voting for the people that are creating it and defending it and justifying it and joking about it and just eat Chef Boyardee, man, I don't know what to do with you. You know, I really don't. I love you. I'm going to keep working on you. But I don't know what to do with you. 210-599-5555. We've been talking a little bit about the uh, DeSantis victory and the Trump announcement next week and how you think that's going to play out. 210-599-5555. David is on KTSA. Hi, David. How you doing, Jack? Good, thank you, David. How are you? Good. Listen, I, I think, um, you know, like everybody else, you know, I woke up this morning a little disappointed, you know, being a Republican for such a long time. Um, you know, I, I fell into the, you know, that mirage of the red wave. But, you know, I, I think we got to look at the bigger picture here, right? And, um, you know, as it looks right now, you know, it looks like uh, we're going to pick up Nevada. Most of the precincts that are still out left are Republican leaning in Clark County. Almost all of that is in, and, you know, she's only winning by 50 to 47. So if you pick that up, it's 50-49. It all boils down to Georgia again. So we still may be able to pick up net one, and 15 or 20 is what it's looking at right now in the House. So it's not, you know, it's not, you know, the sky is falling. I mean, I'm old enough. I've been following politics for 40 years to, you know, where we, we didn't even have a chance in the Congress from 54 to 94 until the contract of America, the only mm-hmm. place we were competitive was the presidential race. Mm-hmm. So and you would say that maybe what happened last night and this morning is that people's expectations were raised too high and they don't recognize that they did get something out of this election. Exactly. I mean, it's, okay. these are chess moves, right? We have to go back and look at mm-hmm. 1994, right? Because but, but let me ask you this, David, because I agree with your analysis, and I, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you, but let me just push back a little. Because uh, you got to admit, right, and I'll give you everything you said, but you, you got to admit, how do you not beat Fetterman? How, how do you run some of these people the Republicans ran uh, where if they had just chosen from their own ranks a better candidate? I mean, New Hampshire, mm-hmm. the other guy mm-hmm. would have beaten Maggie Hassan. They did this to themselves in part. They they made some they squandered some opportunities. I I totally agree with that. And I think with Fetterman, I mean it's it's you know the Republicans don't understand that you know we can put up Mother Teresa as a Republican nomination and the Democrats will destroy whoever it is because Yeah, but I'd rather you had Mother Teresa than you had Mehmet Oz, okay? That that's the yeah, thing. I, yeah. I, I realize they'll I run that line of jive on anybody, but you made it too easy for right. them with Dr. Oz. He's like a punching bag. 
Exactly. Well, and I think a lot of this early voting, too, before the first debate really hurt him. But, you know, that's the Republicans' fault for not kind of, you know, say, hey, we got to get this debate earlier. But my, my main point, Jack, is that these are chess moves, right? You look at 94, and we had a solid Colorado and a solid New Mexico, which were red states, right? So you go over to 20, uh, 2012, and those two have turned blue. But remember in 1994 and 96, Missouri, Iowa, Florida and Ohio were all bellwether states and battleground mm-hmm, states. Mm-hmm. Now you look at 2020, Colorado and New, ha- and New Mexico have turned solidly blue. But I, I think anybody, I don't think anybody would disagree that Florida, Ohio, Missouri, and Iowa are almost solidly red, red states. Now. Yeah. So no, I agree with that. You, we got We got to look at the last 30 years, right? Now you look at the purple states, right? So which ones in the last 30 years have turned purple? I'll give you Arizona and even Georgia, right, which have been solidly red for for a long time. And I think the last four years, they maybe switched purple, right? But then you have to look at Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, and even Minnesota over the last four presidential races has been leaning red. So, yes, that we may have lost a few states here, but we pick up four. Mm. Over the I, I, I disagree with your last statement. Those states you just listed were only Republican in 2016. That 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 that's not a that they're not they're not trending red. I, I got to be honest Which with one? you, Dave. I, I got to be honest with you, David. I, you, you make sure. some good points, but all you're telling me is that the map keeps changing, and, and I knew that. That's not you're not telling me anything I didn't already know. But but I, I, all I'm saying is in this cycle, there were gains to be made. And they left, you know, money on the I, table, I totally and they can't agree. blame anybody else for that but themselves. No, no, and I don't, I don't blame anybody for that but the Republicans. I totally agree with you. And, um, and, and the map will always keep changing. We're we're a mobile country. We're a country where people sure. migrate among the states. That will that will always sure. happen. I, and by the way, there's some big Republican states like Texas that they may not always be able to count on. Just as the Democrats mm-hmm. have some big states that they may not always. Uh, have been able to count on it one time, as you correctly point out. They they counted on southern states like Florida. I just want to point something out to you. If you you know if you're a little down in the dumps or you're a little whatever angry, stressed out about stuff, I, and I'm not trying to get clicks or whatever because you know I could care less about <laughs> about social media. But I posted a a, a, a short little video um, on Facebook. It's um, it's the kind of thing you see a lot, but this one was really, really, really nice. Um, Lamar Jackson, the quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens, who, in my opinion right now, is having an MVP uh, year, just a just a, a great athlete, also a great guy. Um, when they were uh, getting ready to play um, the Saints, he was uh, brought in to meet a, uh, a young man who has a uh, serious heart condition may not grow to adulthood, and has always loved Lamar Jackson. So they surprised him with a visit from Lamar Jackson. It's very short. Um, you watch it, and I guarantee you'll feel a little bit better about the world. And it's on the Jack Riccardi Facebook page. Um, on the JR poll, we asked you, are you glad or sad or what about the midterm results? 77% chose sad. I'm sure a lot of different reasons. And 23% said glad the way it worked out. Um, new JR poll tomorrow. We get started at 4. Uh, Doug is on the radio on KTSAs. We're talking about Trump and DeSantis and the future. And hi, Doug. How are you doing? Good. 
So what's it going to be if if Trump gets in and DeSantis gets in? What's it going to be? Well, I think Trump would be a hell of a lot better. You know what? He's he can walk. He can walk with me, and he can talk with me. And you know that's what goes back to is that uh, who is Andy? You know who Andy is? Who is Andy? Yeah. Do I know who Andy is? Yeah, there was two boys walking down the road. They was walking down. They was walking down the country road, and the boy asked one other boy. He says, "What's Jesus' name?" And he says, "What's Jesus?" And he says, "Well, what is God's name?" And he says, "Andy." And he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he does things with me. That's Andy. That's God's name. So I mean, what I'm saying is that. I think Trump has got a heck of a good chance to be a decent president mm-hmm. if we get the Democrats out of that position that they're in, that they're trying to ruin everything. Because, my friend, okay. you are paying, you're, you're paying, you know, $3.50 I, for gasoline. I, I don't understand. the. I'm sorry, Doug. I'm trying to understand. I want to respect what you're saying here, but I don't get the connection between God and Trump. Well, it's not God and Trump. It's that, you know what? We have to rebellish everything that we understand. We we have to understand that we understand everything. Okay. And if okay. if we've got a good person like, when Eisenhower was in office and he got us out of uh, Vietnam, or excuse no, me, no, 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 Doug, 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 I, I got to hold you there. No, 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 no. That's not, no, no, no. I don't know. Um, I, I, you know what, I, I, I do. I understand that that this is these are very unsettled times. Um. And I'm not sure, maybe I'm misunderstanding a little bit here, but um, God is in his heaven. Um, We are talking about human beings. We're electing political leaders. Don't make this more than it is. don't, Don't put that on anyone, okay? And don't put that kind of weight or faith in anyone. I'm not trying to take this into a realm that it shouldn't be in as a talk show, but, you know, there's God, and then there's affairs on earth. There's the eternal life, and then there's the, 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 the minute that we have here on earth. We're just talking about the minute that we have here on earth and how we manage it. And, you know, I started the show today with a quote that I really like, um, which is actually I looked it up to make sure I was quoting the the, the person who spoke it correctly it's been attributed to other people but i'm pretty sure that the first one who said it was a scottish uh religious leader named samuel rutherford and he was involved in faith the faith life but also in politics and philosophy he was kind of a renaissance man lived in the 17th century and he once said duty is ours events are the lord's and I, I think it's a great line in a moment like we're having today because it says that you have a duty to do the things you can do, like voting is, a, is an act of citizenship, but events are the Lord's. So what flows from 
the actions of other people and the 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 collective actions of of the 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 nation and the world you, those are not in your hands or my hands they're in his hands but let's not let's not cross those streams because i don't think we should um back tomorrow live at four you can find our show uh, on demand on ktsa.com